0: Hello! Welcome to Free Will Science and Religion. Uh, I'm Chandler Klebs and today I'm here with George Ortega, Trick Slattery, Michael Walsh, and David Joseph. And today we're going to be focusing on coming to an accurate definition of free will. Because we often talk about the refutation of free will and why we don't have free will. But, because people are still confused on the definition, and because it's always good to clarify what we're talking about, each of us can share our ideas of what it would, what we would have to be able to do, what it would mean in a universe where we imagine that people had free will, what would they be able to do, and is it even coherent to say that somebody could have done otherwise.
1: All right, well, well, Chandler, let me actually, we're, we're basically going to like um, contrast two different definitions of free will to see which is the most helpful in getting people to understand the concept we're describing, you know, so like, you know, the, the, the kinds of definitions that, that we'll um, present are valid. You know, we're not questioning their validity. We're just trying to explore which is mo- most useful to our purpose, to our mission.
0: Okay. Um. So who wants to start with just defining the free will?
1: Well, again, uh, let me start. All right. Um, There are two, you know, we're going to consider two different definitions of free will. And again, we're going to try to explore the the, um, strengths and weaknesses of each to see which is, you know, which better serve our purpose. So the the first definition is the idea that we could have chosen otherwise, Um, you know, we may, we have a decision in front of us. We could have, you know, between A and B, we chose A, we could have chosen B, okay? The second definition is simple causality because, um, the, well, no, no, the definition is like um, free will is the ability to um, decide without anything. Actually, rather than causality, I think I, I want to go with the control, you know, without anything that's not in our control, you know, compelling our decision, so um, unless you guys want to introduce the causality as a third, because I, I think c- uh, control, you know, I, I believe we'll, we'll, we'll discover is the fundamental aspect of, of both the um, otherwise definition and, um, and causality.
0: Well, um, maybe we should talk a little bit about control. Um, what, does, what does it mean to say um, that, some, that something is in our control or not in our control?
1: Well, I mean, like the example, like, you know, person's in a restaurant, somebody spikes their drink, they go out and commit a crime, you know, they didn't know about the spiked drink. Um, we could say that that, you know, that behavior wasn't under their control because, you know, something that they didn't even know about, you know, compelled it. So it's, it's basically just something I mean, like if, if we can't control it, um, for example, if, if our decisions are made at the level of our unconscious and we're by definition not even aware of the existence of our unconscious, then that would be another example of something that's not within our control, even though it may be part of us, you know, deciding what
0: we do for us. Right. I think most people would agree that you can't be in control of something by any definition of control if you're not aware of it. Um, But when it comes to things that we are aware of, do we have control over anything that we are aware of? Well,
1: again, um, you know, the, the idea, of we're, we're, pri- we're pretty much agreed on that we don't. That, that's why free will is, 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 is impossible. So, again, we're trying to distinguish between that, you know, what is the best way to present this? Should, should we be presenting it like, in other words, when we define free will to audiences, should we go with like, well, free will is the ability to have done otherwise? Or should we go to, with, you know, free will is the ability to act you know, independent of things over which we have no control.
2: So, yeah, so when we're talking about the word control, I guess some people can get confused there. Uh, Then that's kind of a problem, I think. Like, for example, they might say that the steering wheel of a car controls the – the turn of the car, or something like that, or controls the tires turn. So, so they'll they'll use that type of control to say that we control things. Even so, I think I think what we really mean when we say control is that we don't have ultimate control. We don't we don't have control over the variables that lead to our conscious decisions.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. If we need to use the word ultimately, <laughs> you know, definitely.
2: Right, and it just, it just it's just kind of a way to. Because, because, you know, you have compatibilists that they define words differently. So so you have control, and that it can be used in different contexts. The same thing with free will. People, you know, redefine free will and make it a, diff, a different context. So we have to kind of avoid those things that are going to cause confusion. And I think the control word by itself is a little confusing, in, in my opinion. So I, I think it has to be qualified.
1: I agree. Qualified Ultimate of, control... Of, Ultimate control
2: or or control over the variables that lead to your decisions, I I think would be even more of a stronger qualification there. Um, In regards to the otherwise, I would say it's more than just the ability to do otherwise, but you have to, you have to have the control to do otherwise. You have, so, so it's, so it's almost like you need the the combination of both because obviously you have uh, people who possibly indeterminism and whether that that's, the case or not is besides the point if if indeterminism is true then we can do otherwise technically but the question is is that otherwise decision up to us so it's it's otherwise and whether that otherwise is up to us is it would be the first definition i'd say so so we have the two definitions one is the other you know the ability to do otherwise that is up to us or of our own accord otherwise. And then the second de- definition is uh, the, the con- conscious control over the variables that lead to our decisions, which I don't think we have either. So the question is, which one is, I guess, more appropriate? Um, and that's a little harder, harder to determine, because I think you can kind of use both of those um, ways of t- talking about free will to help people understand why they don't have the free will we're talking about Um, I think there's been studies that shown that that people are given like an entirely deterministic scenario and yet they still claim that people could have done otherwise so so when prompted of whether they could have done otherwise given an entirely deterministic scenario they say yes to that uh, the majority of lay people so I think that's one reason why I I, I kind of like that otherwise uh, definition.
3: Anyone else?
1: Okay, Yeah, Michael, David.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, I like the, um, the idea that they could have done otherwise. I think that's an easy one to kind of disprove. Uh, well, maybe not disprove, but, um, you know, kind of get people to realize the problem with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the whole idea of control, though, is going to be a, um, a difficult one to sell, to be honest with you, because I'm still confused about it myself. So, I mean, what, what what I would say is um, uh, something along the lines of, um, I don't know, you could drive incredibly carefully and you could get to where you were going and you'd be fine. But if you were to do it again and go back and you make a mistake, were you still in control? I mean, I don't, yeah, I just, I, I don't get it. To be honest. Okay.
1: Michael, what's your, what's your take?
4: Well. I would define libertarian free will as requiring at least three things. So I would define libertarian free will as the belief that we are in control of our will, our mind is causally effective, and in the same situation we could have done otherwise. So I would agree with a lot of you guys on a lot of stuff. So on the, on the first point, if if we're not in control of our will, if something else is, either some deterministic physical process or some indeterministic physical process if if we're not in control of our will then i, I really don't think i you, you can even make uh, the the foundations for libertarian free will even possible no
1: and on and the we're second not point that,
4: yeah yeah on the second point if our mind is not causally effective if it's just some kind of epiphenomenon. if it's just like the steam coming out of the hot coffee and it has no causal effect on the coffee at all then i think that would also rule out libertarian free will as well and on the third point if 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 it is the case that uh we could not have done uh the the diff otherwise in the same situation if the universe is is ontologically deterministic then uh, at the, I think at the very, very, very least, libertarian free will requires some kind of indeterminism. I mean, determinism rules it out 100 percent, period. Uh, now, you could argue, of course, that you know, indeterminism doesn't allow it either. And I think there's plenty of good arguments for that. But at the very, very, very least, if the universe is ontologically determinant, fully deterministic, then free, libertarian free will is 100 percent false. So I would I would say it requires those three things and I would I would say that on all three of those points there's there's really good reasons to think none of them are the case.
1: Okay, Michael, so yeah and we're agreed on that but what we're trying to like figure out is which is the best way to, to present the concept of free will. So like all right with 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 presenting it in the term in terms of like having being able to do otherwise I see two problems with that. One is okay. the the um the ambiguity of the, you know, in what sense we're we're saying being able to uh, do otherwise, because, you know, someone, because I guess we're distinguishing between, you know, uh, theoretically and realistically. In other words, theoretically, we could have, you know, done otherwise, right? I mean, conceptually, we could have, you know, we chose A, theoretically, we could have chosen B, but realistically we could not have chosen B because of you know the laws of nature and, and causality and all so that that's the first problem with that the second problem is that like when we begin to explain why um, not being able to do otherwise prohibits our free will I think we need to then revert to the concept of control so in other words like it seems like the, the ability to do otherwise is, is a somewhat indirect way of, of, refuting or of, yeah, of refuting free will or, you know, defining it in, in that sense. Whereas, like, when we talk in terms of control, we're, we're addressing free will, you know, more directly without, without, without um, an intermediary step.
2: Here's the problem I see with the control scenario is somebody could technically say that if they couldn't have done otherwise, for example, they could still be in control over the decision that they did make, the, the non-otherwise situation. So, so they could still say that they have, like, for example, causal control over the, the decision that they made.
1: Right, but trick. that's my point. My point is like, you know, in either defending the, um, being able to do otherwise free will or refuting it, I think we, we have to invoke um, control. So, so, you know, like, whereas if we go with the control immediately, then there's no second step. You know, if we say, well, free will is the ability to, you know, act uh, without anything that's not in our control you know compelling the action then we don't so, have to go to an additional step
3: so um, so, so sorry tricky ahead Come
1: oh, on. okay well oh, as, so as soon as as soon as you say that
2: somebody couldn't have done otherwise then it, it kind of i think it kind of points to them not having the control to do otherwise so i think i think it's automatically excludes the control part of it they they don't they don't have the ability to have done anything but that one possibility
1: all right well then let's let's explore so why couldn't a person have done otherwise how would you you know um, well given determinism for
2: example in a deterministic uh, scenario they couldn't have done otherwise
1: right but then when we consider causality um, don't we have to like explain that in terms of in other words why does causality um, refute or prevent free will because we don't control ca- causality you know it, the the process is outside of our control
2: yeah but if if somebody if somebody magically thinks that some kind of causality can lead to an otherwise situation then they can kind of think that causality leads to some kind of control they can think that causality leads to them being able to decide whether they're eating chocolate or vanilla. No, I, I
1: agree with you. I agree with you. But again, like to the extent that they make that kind of argument, it's still within the paradigm of control. In other words, like they're, they're still using control to try to defend their, their position.
2: yeah.
0: Um, I have something to say about this could have done otherwise because if you are to ask someone if they could have done otherwise, so they might say, well, I could have done otherwise if I had wanted to do something else. If I had wanted to do otherwise, I could have done otherwise, which basically is true. If they had wanted to do something different, then yes, they would have done that different thing. So I think it comes down to the control over wants. What, do they have control of what they want?
2: Well, or it comes down to the fact that they couldn't have done otherwise than want the thing that they want as well. So, <laughs> so the whole otherwise situation kind of leads backward in time, right? To each event. Each event couldn't have been otherwise.
1: Right, it, but even if, if you go that route, then you would still have to explain why not being able to do otherwise you know, in the, the alternate decision you know, um, would not be possible. So, that, so again, you're, you're going to like the, the, um, the other decision and then explaining why that's not possible because of the control.
2: Well, that, that's just, it's more explained via causality than the idea of control, I'd say.
1: Well, actually, that's, you know, because I was going to start with causality, but think about it. Um, I think even with causality, we have to invoke the, the concept of control. Because, like, for example, if we were in control of causality, then certainly we, we would have a, a free will. So it's really just the, the fact that ca- um, causality is not in our control.
2: Yeah, but it, yeah. it's also the fact that for, for causality to be logical – it means that one event leads to the other event and, and it can't lead to a different event because that's a contradictory causal variable. So it, it's, the, it's the logic of causality that leads to the impossibility of alternate possibilities, basically. So, so in, in philosophy, there's also this concept called the, the principle of alternate possibilities, which basically says that if you couldn't have done otherwise, then you aren't morally responsible. You, you, there's there's no way of injecting moral responsibility if 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 those other alternate possibilities weren't real, if if you couldn't have actually ever reached them. So this is an, another reason why I, I like the otherwise thing because it it actually addresses the alternate possibilities not being there.
1: Well, I mean, like, I mean, I think you can apply the, the moral <clears throat> responsibility to the causality and control also. In other words, like, um, because we're not in control of our decisions, you know, we, we can't be held fundamentally responsible. So, you know, I think the morality issue is just like more of kind of like an implication of, you know, of, you know, because we don't have free will, therefore, you know, we're not, you know, fundamentally morally responsible. But I think, you know, it, it applies to both, to, to the otherwise and, and the control.
2: Yeah. But when people think about like having control, they don't think about like, the variables that go back and back in time. They, they, they think about their conscious thoughts and their deliberations, and, and they're saying that if they had these conscious thoughts and these deliberations – then they were in control of those conscious thoughts and deliberations. So, so we have to actually stem backwards and say and show them why. Well, they weren't really in control. And, and the same thing with uh, the the otherwise thing. So, so they both kind of depend on this whole causality situation where where you couldn't have done otherwise or you weren't in control because of causality. So, so either way, we kind of have to explain it the same way. I think. Um, so the question is what which is more intuitive to people if, if you tell them they couldn't have done otherwise I think that that's kind of that's very intuitive that if they couldn't have done otherwise then you know that that's pretty strong that they they were forced to that one event whereas if you tell them they weren't in control I think that they might battle that a little more I don't know I could be wrong on that
1: yeah, my fear is that, like, if you ask them whether they could have um, done otherwise, I think intuitively they would be much more prone to take the position that they could have, you know, from that perspective, from the you know, theoretical perspective. And then once they do that, you know, we're battling, they, they've established a position for themselves. And I think once they've, they've established that, I think it's more difficult to pull them away from that. You know, I think, who knows, maybe the, the, the issue of control has the same problem.
2: Yeah, but, I, I think they both have kind of have the same problem because obviously people's intuitions are, they're, they're A, in control, and B, they could have done otherwise. <laughs> so yeah. so we, we have kind of an uphill battle either way. Um, so I'm not sure if we're going to actually come to a conclusion of which one is actually better uh, in this situation. I, that's why I think it's kind of good that we use both kind of – In maybe maybe the the better thing we could kind of assess is when is the best time to use one over the other. I'm I'm not sure about that like that. So
0: yeah, I think that both ways of presenting it, both definitions, are really saying the same thing essentially. But the the language of one might work with some people better than others because they'll understand it better.
1: Yet it may be when when we're trying to establish the logical argument, it may be that the causality linked to the control might be a a better way to start to kind of like just like um, pull them to focus them on what the actual issue will be. But then if we're um, if we're starting with an emotional appeal, which we may need to, in other words, like the, the emotional appeal may actually be stronger than the logical argument then perhaps the uh, the ability to have done otherwise you know sinks better with a person's emotional understanding of themselves
2: yeah i'll tell you where i do like the control thing um the control thing does address both causality and uh indeterminism or a causality even though you know we're right now we're just talking about a deterministic universe but um if you're saying that you know somebody doesn't have ultimate control It doesn't matter whether that stems from a causal or causal events. They don't have control of those either way. So I kind of like that because the otherwise thing, you have to qualify that by saying they couldn't have done otherwise. And if they could have done otherwise, that would have been up to the chooser uh, for for the definition. So you have to actually qualify it to to address the indeterminism argument. Whereas uh, the in control, you don't, it's automatically implicit in there. So I kind of like that about the
0: in control part of it. You you know, another thing is I think it's very helpful to have examples rather than just talking abstractly like could you have done otherwise than you did or were you in in control of all the factors of your decision. It, It helps to use specific examples like we've done that with obesity before. Uh, You know, like, did somebody choose to be overweight and and all that sort of stuff? Um, But, yeah, we could use examples like, for example, um, voting, um, electing a president, Um, because that's a fine example of of something. Um, What would it mean for somebody to freely will or freely choose between two um, candidates for president? What would that even look like?
1: Right. Well, well Chandler, I, I think you make a good point. But like, from the perspective of like, you know, f- f- with something like a political decision, then we go back to like, you know, the causes or, you know, having done otherwise for it and all. But um, you, when you said that, I was thinking that like, you know, the, the example that I presented, I don't really like all that much. Because, in other words, like, I don't like the idea of somebody being in a restaurant and their drink being spiked. You know, when philosophers – philosophers love to kill people. You know, I don't know if you ever, like, read the, 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 um, the literature. They say, well, if one person kills another – you know, they like these extreme kind of, like, negative examples. And I think that kind of – those kinds of examples um, work against our intent, you know, of creating a better world and all. So if we could come – you know, like – the, the the value of the restaurant scenario and the crime is that, like, you know, Neil, last week, I've used this, you know, numerous times in my meetup events. It resonates with people. They get it. They understand the injustice of holding someone responsible for something that was not in their control. And from that, you know, they can more easily um, understand why they don't have a free will. But. But, you know, if we could come up with a better example than that restaurant thing that's a bit less, um, you know, whatever, just a a bit more positive.
0: Right. We need very relatable examples, too. So that's why, you know, we've used the obesity topic as as examples um, or we've or we've used the sexuality thing as examples. We, we could use different political um, things that people vote on. We could use all sorts of different beliefs like the fact that, you know, pe- do, what does it mean for someone to choose a religion or what they believe? How, you know what I mean? Because any of these things, these common examples we use, there's going to be causes. Well, why do you believe this? Why did you vote for that candidate?
1: Can you, can you guys think of another like scenario where, you know, like, you know, other than the spiking in the drink restaurant where you present it to so them, people will understand that. I mean, and, and I, I try not to go science fiction either. I try not to go like, well, you know, you know, a scientist implanted an electrode in their brain and all because that's just like outside of our, you know, common experience. But again, I think, you know, in, in terms of winning the emotional argument and then leading people to, to understand, you know, why how causality makes free will impossible. You know, I think starting there is a good strategy, but but you know, it'd be great if, if we had a a, um, a more benign example.
0: Yeah, we, we I guess we need a silly example, one that's not doesn't have any emotional baggage tied with it. You know, because when if it gets into politics or religion, people do tend to not like those topics, I suppose. Um,
2: trick do oh, you want to say something? In, yeah, in my book, um, I, I kind of made up like a fake example. I, I made an example of um, a, a serial tattooist. So what he does is he goes and knocks a person out and he tattoos nasty things on their forehead. For example, just like a bad swear word or something like that. Um, and then that, that person wakes up and he has this, tat- this thing tattooed on their forehead. So it would be like people blaming that person for putting that tattoo on their forehead head
1: oh well that's good but again you still have you have somebody knocking somebody out how about how can, yeah. we, we, can we think of something maybe like when somebody's asleep or something um
3: yeah we, we can have know. him spike the drink yeah
4: there was a scenario be. that i'm aware of that uh, kind of has a moral issue i'm not even su- i'm not sure if, if it relates to to, to the To the free will thing though, but it is something that's supposed to make it kind of ambiguous as to whether someone is morally guilty or not should I kind of mention it it's kind of it's, it's not that long sure sure all right, so let me see if I can if I can recall this correctly so there's two people let, let's just let's say two guys let's call one of them John and one of them Dave right and John uh, doesn't like dave he wants he wants him he wants him dead so mm-hmm.
1: You're gonna kill off Dave. Already. <laughs> he's
4: gonna he's gonna he's gonna kill Dave, and the best way he 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 thinks of doing it is to is to poison to poison Dave, because uh, that will make it look a little bit more more natural. And so he goes to some weird drugstore that's off the beaten path, and he pays cash to buy some poison because he doesn't want to be traced. So he so he the next day he makes uh he makes a salad for Dave, uh, and he puts the poison in the salad. And, uh, he, he gives it to Dave, but, uh, unknown to John, the, the poison is, is so old that it's lost its potency and, uh, it's no longer effective. So it has absolutely no effect whatsoever. So he puts it, he puts it, well, he put it in the, uh, the salad, he gives it to Dave and Dave eats the salad and guess what happens? Dave dies. Nothing. Dave oh, dies. Dave okay. dies. Dave, Dave Dave, Dave, dies, and the reason why Dave dies is because in the salad, uh, the dressing that the person used had, had, had a peanut sauce in it that, that John used, and, and Dave is uh, allergic to peanuts, and so he dies from the peanut sauce. And John didn't even know this. John had the intention to to poison Dave with the poison that he bought, but it was ineffective. But Dave ultimately died from the peanut sauce that would have been in the salad anyway, even if he didn't even put the poison in. So is John guilty, morally guilty, of killing Dave?
3: The moral of the story is don't eat salads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with Michael, with that, yeah, I mean, like, in, in a criminal case, I think, you know, basically the, they, the, the guy would be guilty of attempted murder,
4: you know. But how, though? Because the poison was ineffective. No, I know.
1: Well, How? Because there was an intent. In other words, like intent is part of like the, the legal principle here. In other words, if he wanted to kill the person, I forget which day, whatever. And, and but and he tried. That's, you know, that's a crime. You can't try to kill people, even if you fail.
3: There, there is another example of that story about two assassins who are uh, following their target through a desert and basically the, the the guy stops and he camps down for the night and the first assassin comes along and he puts poison in the drinking water and the second assassin comes along and he pokes a hole in the drinking water and the next day the guy wakes up and he dies of thirst so which assassin killed the guy
1: yeah all right because like guys were you know i i I appreciate the examples, but they're a bit kind of like, you know, they add, I mean, we could actually explore this, you know, on, on its own as, as a separate topic, but yeah. well, relevant are, are just because the
4: idea of moral responsibility of like intent and, and those kinds of things, control of your will does come into play when we want to assign moral guilt to someone.
1: No, I, I completely understand. But like, you know, what, what I was thinking of while you were saying that is like, for example, um, can we come up? I mean, are we aware of, let's say, any kind of food that that affects us so much that would make us, you know, do something we wouldn't ordinarily do? Um, uh, a uh, there, agent, Well, there's actually a
4: uh, there's a um, there's a virus. i not a virus. It's a parasite that uh, that is found that that, that rats have. Uh, and this is one famous case that Daniel Dennett has talked about in his talks, and that is that it, when, when, it, when it goes into the rat, it, 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 it changes the rat's neural chemistry, and it makes the rat or the mouse think that it's Mighty Mouse. And so the rat loses its sense of fear, and so it goes running out in the open, and what happens is it gets killed by a cat. The cat sees it as an easy target. And so, but the virus, what it, or the, the, the parasite, what it's really trying to do is get into the stomach of the cat. That's its goal. And so it gets into the rat and it makes the rat lose its inhibitions and his, its fear and it makes it run out in the open. So the cat eats it and then the, the cat eats the rat or the mouse and then the, the virus gets inside the, uh, the, the the cat's stomach, which is where the the, the parasite wants to be. So there, there are lots of things in nature that do make you lose your inhibitions where, I mean, if, if something like that, Went into a person. I'm not sure if it has the same effect on people as it does in, mi- in mice. It might. But if something like that went into a person and they lost all their fear and inhibition and they started driving recklessly and killed somebody, you might say, well, they weren't morally responsible because they had this parasite that literally changed their neurochemical structure to not have any fear or make them lose their inhibitions, almost like being drunk.
1: Okay. Yeah. So that works. Now that, um, Is there anything, can we think of an example that perhaps could like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm not sure that many people, you know, they, I think they can understand it conceptually. So it's good in that sense, but is there something, maybe a, a, a stronger connection we might be able to come up with? I mean, it could, it could be food. It could be something else, but that, you know, maybe that's not attributable to another person's actions.
0: Well, um, I think we need to come up with a food example because I think yeah, I think what it gets down to is that um, like, can a person be responsible um, for all the ingredients contained in foods? or or how, you know, how can anybody um, truly be in control? Of their preferences in food something I'm trying to come right but no
1: no Chandler we've got to be very direct we can't like say like you know for example like some agents in food maybe five ten years from now kind of like led to an effect it's got to be pretty immediate and pretty um, pretty um precise you know in terms so the, of its effect
2: the problem with these type of scenarios is that most people even people that say they believe in free will would say Ah, well, those people didn't have free will at that time because of these variables that caused them to not have control. So so somehow we have to get back to them that it isn't, the, it isn't necessarily those types of variables that create the lack of free will, but rather all variables, no matter if it's a chemically induced thing or just your regular brain state. And that's the problem, I think. And and that's the second
1: step. No, you're right, Trick. That's the second step. In other words, once like, you know, going back to the spike drink, you know, that's something that like, again, I've used this numerous times. I don't think anyone has has um, has challenged it in terms of like they get it. They get that we can't really hold a person responsible for something. Now, uh, another example that I um, that might be more you know, more benign is, um, okay. A person goes to, um, a pharmacist for a pain reliever and it's the person's understanding that the pain reliever is not supposed to cause any drowsiness. So, um, the person then, you know, takes the, the medicine, leaves the pharmacy, whatever, and drives home. And because of the drowsiness, you know, just, um, gets into a a fender bender you know nobody's killed whatever but it's like you know
3: he he kills dave
1: (laughs) (laughs) so all right so like so you know that would that is that something you guys think and we should probably wrap this up some somewhat soon but does that sound you know um um realistic enough does that you
3: know it, it sounds to me like um, people would understand that they can't give that person free will.
1: Okay. All right. So, again, like, so we've just started this, but let's, you know, let's just think about this. Let's try to figure out, you know, and again, again going back to the yeah. the original question that I think, yeah, I think the answer is that there's different um, circumstances where one, you know, approach, one definition of free will would be more advantageous for us to use than another and we just got to think about, you know, when, when to use them with which, with which you know, arguments, which, which kind of approach we're going to use.
3: Right. Because so, you, 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 uh, you, you, sorry, go ahead.
1: Another scenario
2: is, is the, which is a kind of a common one for the free will uh, topic is the brain tumor scenario. So somebody gets a brain tumor that, that presses on their, a certain part of their brain that causes them to, to act out in a certain way. Um, most people would say that person didn't have, you know, didn't have the control, weren't weren't freely willing to do what they did that they had this brain tumor that was pressing on their brain, causing the action. So, so
1: I I like that. I like that. But like, there's a part of me that kind of like some people, when you bring in brain tumors and stuff, it's kind of like killing people. It kind of like maybe intimidates people somewhat. You know, people who are like squeamish about that or superstitious, whatever. I mean, it does, you know, it does present it, you know, very clearly. I think even more clearly than the other ones. But again, we we, we need to kind of like um, not create situations that are going to like make um, a person feel, you know, very uncomfortable or, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean,
0: yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm still hoping that we that we come up with the ideal example related to the obesity thing, a perfect example. Uh, I just don't know what it is yet. All right, so there's yeah, there's many prob- variables is the problem,
2: especially with obesity. There's there's so many variables to account for that it's just hard to to uh, denote that to people.
1: Yeah. All right, Chandler. We probably you know again we'll 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 want to revisit this again you know both in terms of like the um the various issues that you know the, the what michael brought up about the you know the requirements for for free will and all and just like you know how best to present it so but maybe we want we want to get on to that you know um as the next topic yeah
0: yeah okay uh, so we should end this one then shouldn't we yep okay You've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion with Chandler Klebs, George Ortega, Trick Slattery, David Joseph, and Michael Walsh, and we talked a little bit about, you know, which um, is a, a clear definition of free will, and then we tr- tried to come up with different examples of things related to things being out of our control and moral responsibility, but we haven't come to a real conclusion about
4: that yet, so we'll continue this in a future episode.